Keeping in theme with the season, um, it's holiday. Well, not holiday season, but it's it's like Can summertime. Anyway, so the drink of the week is called oh, Fever. It's um, uh. I don't have to tell y'all. I mean, y'all already know. Like, it's a shout out to Megan Thee Stallion. Big old free. Um, What's in it? But basically, you take some um ice. You um pour some fruit juices, some douce because she finally drives the boat with douce and not just with Hennessy. And um, top it off with some rosé, and you got yourself a um, throw in some fresh strawberries, some grapes, you know, some things. Add some extra juice, and there goes fever. Yeah. Okay. Yummy. Okay. 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 <laughs> I'm trying. Well, <laughs> if you guys aren't already hip to what this is, this is a mixture of ratchetry wisdom and, of course, cocoa butter excellence, better known as just call it brunch. I'm Caitlin. I'm Jasmine. And I'm Brandon. Welcome back, guys. Hey, welcome back. Welcome back. Y'all are going to back me up? Not okay. today. Wow, they're real stale today. I'm sorry if this is not a great episode, y'all. Why would you say that? <laughs> oh, my God. Some, clearly, some people need some more fever. Mm, okay. All right. <laughs> anyway. So, about you, what you've been up to, Jasmine? Well, first of all, I just want to say happy birthday to Malcolm X, my dog. Hey. And uh, speaking of, you know, things that are hot and lit, like Malcolm X and Fever, um, I want to also shout Queen out of the transition. transition. I need a button, but don't like it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, other things that are, you know, fire, whatever. Uh, shout out to all the people that got, you know, um, the lit in DC war. I was saw like so many people that I actually know personally, um, like Gregory Jackson. Gregory Jackson works for DC government, but also it's one of the founders for the Wave DC. Um, Shanae Patterson, VCU alum, Christian. Turn up, turn up. Go Rams, go. Go Rams, go. Um, Christian Howard. She's one of my sisters in the National Coalition of 100 Black Women DC. Malik from Eat. Y'all know the clothing line. Uh-huh. Eat. Yep, he got that shout out. And nice. Shelly Bell, she does Black Girl Ventures. Yeah, so she also uh, is one of the people recognized along with, you know, <laughs> Mario Bowser. Um, oh, <laughs> Jesus. Shout out to Mario Bowser for using $15 billion of the budget for housing to give subsidies to people that make $140,000. Um, <laughs> get down because Jasmine is shooting this morning. Okay, bah, bah, bah. But in other uh, news of people that <laughs> recognize, um, I went to the Vital Voices ceremony, and that was actually super, super inspiring. This was my second year going, and one of the people specifically that was recognized, she lives in DC. Her name is Amanda. I don't want to screw up her last name, but she's um, Asian. And it starts with an N. 
And she founded an organization called Rise. And she actually founded the organization Rise after, unfortunately, being a um, victim of um, sexual assault while at Harvard. And so she used that experience because she went to go and try and hold the person accountable that sexually assaulted her. And the court system was evading her a lot. And so she decided she was going to go and change the law. Then, And so... This woman, she is like young in her 20s and has passed 24 laws. Um, oh, wow. Yes. And that affects 46 million people. So you go, uh, like, literally, I was in the audience when I was l- listening to her story, like in tears, because it was just really, really inspiring and amazing. It's beautiful. Yeah. Um, I went to, speaking of other things that are inspiring, went to the Baltimore Retreat for Shapers. And something that was interesting that I don't know. Have you, you know, Lexington Market, Brandon? Yeah, I know it. Do you know about the development that's happening there? Yeah. And it the desperately, I mean, yeah, we probably have different, and we probably have different takes on this, but I, I want to hear your take. To, yeah. I mean, I think it needs to be redeveloped. Like it, it's a, Lexington Market is supposed to be, it's, and back in the day, it was it served as like a market for the people there, but now it's mainly, a, it post, it's supposed to be a tourist destination. Um, and the fact that they sell like the like Faley's crab cakes, which are some of the most famous in town, are sold there, and like a couple other things. Um, and that area, like if you're if anybody who's listening, whoever who's ever been through downtown Baltimore, it's like you have the harbor and stuff in downtown that's nice, and then you hit the Lexington Market area, and it's it's an open air drug market. Like at this point, like it's pretty. Um, it's yeah, it's an open air drug market. Like on all fronts, like you can. At any time of day, you can walk through, get whatever you need. There's addicts. Like, I mean, it needs to be redeveloped to look nicer. Um, I know there's a lot of, like, there's some people who, and I feel like a lot of these people aren't, like, people who actually live in the community. Um, but there's some people who don't want it redeveloped and they want it to stay like that. But I can't imagine anybody who, and I live close. I live, like, I can walk to Lexington Market, like, 10 minutes. So I can't imagine anybody who's in that realm not wanting it to be redeveloped so i mean what how do you feel so i thought it was interesting i agree about it needing development i also said that i'm not a baltimore resident so i was like i'm not going to give too much of my opinion um one of the things that you know one of the groups that got the contract for it it seems like they're trying to do their due diligence to include the community I know they did lose to um, a development organization that's working on another market um that's black on it and the name is escaping me right now but uh i would have been curious to hear their approaches hear both approaches just because um there's a woman um ava she's another person she's a baltimore shaper she's really inspiring and she was saying that as some of the development is happening it's pushing people kind of like away instead of necessarily pushing the like you know some of the addicts and stuff like away from that area um and they're gonna have to go somewhere right so correct yeah so some of them and so like i think maybe i don't know maybe the developers that were black maybe they would have had an idea of how to do it where it wouldn't cause that i don't know but one of the areas she said it's starting to push people to is down by um there's this place called red emma's have you been there before? Yeah, and that, I mean, yeah, okay. I mean, finish. And I'll, I'll tell you my. Okay, my so <laughs> I heard, I learned about Red Emma's. Red Emma's is a coffee shop that the model of the business is actually really interesting to me because it works as a co op. 
So the people that work there, they have uh, stakeholders. They have like own um, stake in the coffee shop as a company. And then people can also convene there. Uh, and apparently a lot of uh, meetings happen at that coffee shop that is centered around social justice, social impact. And it's supposed to be what busboys and poets could have been. And I think was intended to be at first. Mm. Um, so I thought the model of it was really cool, but it was kind of sad to hear that some people are being pushed down to that area. And there was someone that was working there at the co-op that was like really cleaning up, that was doing well, but just ran back into some of the people that uh, was around Lexington Market area where he stopped going down there. And then because they started being pushed towards that way and unfortunately um, ended up like shot in a homicide. Um, but I thought the red Emma's and then also she told us the origin of the name of the coffee shop too, which was this like really badass woman who had revolutionary thoughts on like capitalism. So look her up too. I like took the time to look her up. Um, but you said you had opinions. So I'm curious. To hear no, that. I think right. So red Emma's as a, um, establishment is a wonderful place to support. I've, I've been to red Emma's before. It's a great coffee shop, a great place. Um, they're great. No complaints about Red Emma's, so this has nothing to do with Red Emma's. I do think that, um, and I don't know who, like, I don't know, I know the woman you spoke to was very passionate, but the redevelopment around Lexington Market hasn't actually started yet. So people are not being pushed out because not, there's, I mean, you can drive through there. There is a little bit of stuff that's been done, like, a, two or three blocks south, and that's more related to a different, um, to, like, a, a theater that was renovated. But okay, they maybe still, that's what she said. Well, I don't and that area is still this like those people at this point those people aren't being pushed out like it's not it's not at that point at all okay um and that's just my opinion like i've i've i there are a lot of now i will i can see where there are a lot more addicts up by red emma's and stuff now and i think that has more to do with like nationwide like the the increasing homelessness problem we have and increase of the opioid epidemic that we have so there are addicts appearing in neighborhoods that they wouldn't appear at but do i think those people are the lexington market people i do not um and red emma's so because of red emma's um like structure and their openness to be a um a welcoming place and a place for the community red emma's has always since i've i've known about red emma's since i came to baltimore so red emma's and they've moved locations twice since i've known them They've always been a place where you see a lot of addicts and homeless people just because they're very welcoming. They, I don't think they sell yeah. them coffee at the same price they sell like, um, like their average cup. Like there's a discount. Like you know they yeah. have different things. Ava actually used to be homeless, so she's a she's a trans woman. Okay, and she got her job there while she was homeless, and it helped her get out of homeless. Get it? And I, I, yeah, and it's an amazing company. That's why I said like, but they've always had because they're because. Because of the type of organization they are, they've always kind of brought in people like, like, you get the good and the bad. You know what I'm saying? Like, if you have yeah. open doors, you're going to get. So there's always been kind of like this, this, this undercurrent that kind of like follows wherever Red, Red Emma's goes to. And it's fine. Like, most, most people in Baltimore, like, because Red Emma's is very respected in Baltimore. So people like are always kind of like, you know, like, it doesn't bother. It's never been an issue, but. I, I just wanted to just point out that I don't think it's because of the Lexington Market redevelopment because it hasn't actually, like, around Re Lexington Market right now, it's still the same. Like, they haven't, they've been talking about it for years, and there's plans of, you know, I mean, 
the issue more goes into like how do we help people with opioid crisis um and i think if we're looking for the answers in the developers i think we're looking in the wrong place because those people's intentions are just are naturally going to be different like they don't their intentions are to make a successful development which is lexington market they where those people go afterwards like those problems existed before lexington market and they're going to exist after and i just think as a um as a city and this has nothing to do with what you said, Jasmine, but just I hear this a lot because the city is actually in the process of redeveloping all the markets within the city. And both. Yeah, if, they were telling us that in the phases. Yeah. So in Baltimore, if people don't know, Baltimore is um, has a lot of food markets. So it's like a pretty popular thing in Baltimore. And I think um, there's been a lot of controversy every time they've done one about like and I'm like um, the current state of the markets now are like if the city didn't step in and and give money for the redevelopment, those markets would have just decayed and probably like closed down on their own, even the ones in the richer neighborhoods, such as Federal Hill. And I think that um, like this is, I think that people are trying to, people, there's a lot of issues with Baltimore. And I think people are redirecting their anger towards the, or, or their concerns towards the wrong places. Yes, the developers can do stuff to make this transition easier, but really it's on the backs of city council and um, of, of the state legislator and like people like that who we elect to figure out these problems. It's not up to whoever's going to develop Lexington Market where the themes are going to go once Lexington Market shuts down. Yeah. And I'll be like, that's the end of that for me. Wow. Yeah, no, I mean, I like I said, for that particular topic for Baltimore and the markets, like I'll defer to you because I don't live there. I don't have a state. So, yeah. And as, yeah, yeah. And, I mean, a lot of people. Baltimore's case where like the loudest voice of y'all know y'all know some people who have come out of Baltimore who some of the loudest voices in Baltimore typically do not represent the people and that's been an issue <laughs> a big issue within the city is that like a lot of times people who somehow bubble up to the top are just not either they're too radical or too under radical um there's some there's some um like activists that we can like point out that are mm-hmm. like that but mm-hmm. point being there are some people who are like that and um I just like as a resident just as somebody who's who lives in the community and stuff like I like people want better for the market. I'm not saying that the market should become like a multi, you know, somewhere where nobody can afford, but the purpose of these food markets are supposed to be that people have local food in their neighborhoods. And right now Lexington market is like once a year, they're shut down for like a rat infestation. They have like a ton of issues. It's dirty in there. There's drugs everywhere. Like it needs to be cleaned up and, we can't expect the developers to worry about how to fix this one place and also like this out because the the drug the open air drug market issue is a city issue like the right. police need to be handling that the city council needs to be handling that they you can't expect them to try to you know stop their development so that right. the drug addicts have somewhere in the middle of downtown to go to yeah another another cool place that um was brought like that so I was on a, a panel and we were talking about education and I guess alternative ways to address the disparities in the education system. And so one of the people that were on a panel with me and they are in Baltimore. Have you heard of Cups Coffee Shop? Um, I've not heard of Cups. Do you know what street it's off? I don't know the street. Okay. But basically the model is it's students, students that are at risk a lot of times experiencing homelessness are the baristas for the coffee shop. And they, you know, get paid, they learn a trade, and then there's, like, other programming involved in it. So I thought that was really cool. Um, And I felt like one, so two of the students that work at the coffee shop, they spoke on the panel. And so they were talking about one of the things that 
mattered the most for them, it wasn't necessarily even that they were learning a new trade. It was that people believed in them and that they had people that they could go and, you know, after a long day, talk to, right? Mm -hmm. And so that kind of resonated a lot with me. It's something that, um, you know, I saw the video that Renee posted about uh, Ibn Ali Miller. So is this? Did y'all see the video? It's like a guy that goes on the street, uh-huh. and yeah, he saw like With two, two boys kids. fighting, right? Yep, two uh-huh. boys fighting. And the thing that was compelling for me wasn't even necessarily that he broke up the fight by saying like, "Hey, you know, like they're making fun of you." Uh-huh. You see that they're they're laughing. One of the most compelling things about that video is that he was able to pinpoint some of the kids that were like watching it, egging on the fight, and say, "Yo, like you know, your father got locked up. Right? It's hard out here." He was like, your family, they worked really hard. And so in order for him to point, pinpoint those things, he had to know things about right. the kids in his community. Right. True, very true. And I was like, that is mentorship. Mentorship doesn't have to be your expert in a field. Mentorship doesn't mean that you have to have a certain level of education or you have to wait until you make a certain amount of money. It's as you get older, as you mature, even if you learn one or two things, that you make sure you under, you know the kids around you so that you can at least, if you see that they're in trouble, you can just stop and say hi, offer them words of encouragement, and just be a listening ear. Because that's really what they want the most. Um, so, like, as we gear up for the summer, for the cohort, I look forward to all the people that are willing to volunteer for Project League <laughs> um, to mentor. And I know we talked about Vector90 last time. Um, Vector90 is the organization started by um, Nipsey Hussle. But one of the people that we didn't talk about is David A. Gross. Mm-hmm. So David A. Gross was his partner, or is his partner for it. And he is a real estate investor. And so I just wanted to shout him out, too. So did y'all um, see all the hype around Broccoli City Fest and something in the water? I heard something I heard in the something water. I was, was amazing. Yeah, I heard Man, it was amazing. I, I heard it was like the East Coast Coachella. Like people, everybody know who went said it was super organized. Mm-hmm. They're like, you were able to get to everything. It was, um, the shuttles were running on time. I'm really proud of Pharrell and they're like, it was a very, yeah. very good time. The thing I didn't realize was that he had been trying to do it for years and it had taken them so long. And it's just kind of one of those things where, like you said, being really being proud of the fact that even through all of the mess that they dealt with, not really understanding all of it, but um, that in spite of, you know, everything that they had gone through, they were able to put something together that not only represented the seven five, but really represented music in general. And I love um, that <clears throat> like hip hop and R&B, like all that stuff is has the ability to be represented in a positive light and to really showcase the culture so that people can really, you know, get it and understand it and then all come together and, and I was, you know, enjoy it. I was kind of scared because, you know, this, the weekend something in the water happened, um, which was also Broccoli Fest weekend was also back in the day was college beach weekend. Yeah. And we remember how for those who weren't, who didn't go to college in Virginia, they ended up shutting that down like in 2012 or something. Yeah. Cause it just like used to be so much fights. I think somebody so, got shot yep. one year. Yeah, and, and nobody it, got shot. Yeah, no, they said it was. They said it was very, very nice. Everybody I know who went like said they were like it was very organized. Um, everybody got their money back for the one day they got rained out. Oh, it's so great. That is amazing to me. Yeah, logistically, 
Amazing. It's beautiful. And they got, and I was surprised how quick they got it back. Somebody tweeted the other day, like, yeah. did y'all get your money back? And they're like, oh, yeah, we got it, like, a couple days later. I was like, that's That crazy. is some bomb logistics. So, I know for a fact I'll be at something in order next year. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I actually, so, I went to Broccoli City Fest. Broccoli City Fest was the same weekend as Something in the Water. Uh-huh. And so I I stand by going to Broccoli City Fest because y'all know I'm a huge, huge Childish Gambino fan. Yeah. But obviously he's not going to be here again next, year, next right. year. So next year I'll definitely go to something in the water. But at Broccoli City Fest, it was, I will say, so we we had that episode almost a year ago now, right? Uh-huh. Where we talked about how shitty Broccoli City Fest was. Yeah. Like it was a nightmare. So last year it was at RFK. This year it was at um, FedEx. The FedEx Field. So they moved it to Prince George's County. And I would say logistically, it was so much better. Okay. Um, there was still trash after, which I have a problem with. Um, but I would say getting in was really smooth. They didn't run out of food. They didn't run out of drinks. I had phone reception the whole time, which was nice. Mm-hmm. Um, one, what were you going to say? I was going to say, was there a, could you tell that there had been a, a shrink in the crowd since something? In there the were actually a lot of people there. Okay. Like, because I was concerned with the space. I was like, oh, are they going to be able to fill it up? No, it was a lot of people there, but it didn't feel like overwhelming. Uh, yeah. Okay. It was a good, good turnout. The um, They cut off LMA, though, during oh, her set. Oh, no. I was mad about that. They like, which it sounded like another artist, which we'll get to later, also got cut off. So I guess that we can tie that into like embarrassing moments. Um, Lil Wayne was disappointing, y'all. He was. Yeah. I, I, can I be honest and say I'm not surprised? I'm Why? not. I'm not surprised that he was just because, like, how many times since he kind of like reemerged have we seen him perform? How many times? You know what I'm saying? And like for someone like that who's kind of taken a back, not really taking a backseat, but he did. Like he kind of sat back for a while. Have we seen like really? be able to jump right back in and it'd be cool. And like, how, you know what I'm saying? And and a lot of Wayne's, I guess the other thing you could think about is like a lot of Wayne's performances or like when he was at his peak, he was also like very bad. Like he was on drugs. Right. Yeah. And like yeah. that was probably also like he was helping late him this time. with Not, his performance. But yes. like he's clean now or like he's cleaner. Like he's, he looked significantly better than yeah. he did at one point. So like. there's a, I feel like there's a whole lot of factors in it. But to be honest, I'm, I'm, a little surprised only because it's Wayne and like you really want him to, you know what I mean? I remember Wayne from when I was in high school, like listening to the car, like and even before that with the block is hot, like all that stuff. But at the same time, part of me is just kind of like, eh, okay, like it's, uh, I'm not that. Not yeah. surprised. Nah. Yeah. That's so I was, so, okay. A positive surprise. I think it was the baby that was there. Uh-huh. Yeah. And so my friend wanted to the go. The baby. The baby. <laughs> Come on, auntie. <laughs> Basically, that's how I felt. Who y'all listening to now? Look, that's how I felt. One of, so my friend Constance, shout out to her. She wanted to go and see him. So at first I was like, eh, okay, whatever. I guess I'll go. And we were over there. I was like, yo, he has hit. After, I was like, yeah. I know all of these songs. Yeah. I know every single song and all of them are hit. Yeah. Which when I heard him on Megan, I know we're, we're going to get to that later album. I was like, OK, yeah, it wasn't too much of a surprise for me because that when I went to the concert or um, when I was at Broccoli City Fest, I was like, yo, this man has hits for days. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I'm a fan. I'm, a, I'm I'm not staying level yet, but definitely a huge fan. And then finally, Gambino, he 
always outdoes himself. He did um, Outstanding by the Gap Band. Mm-hmm. I was super pressed when that happened. I, heard, I saw videos of it. It was really good. It was so freaking good. Like, I was so happy. Um, yeah, so. Were there a lot of people, like, for his set, like, there and going up for him or? I would say there were definitely people that had left after Little Wayne. And then I, like, bum-rushed my way to the front of the stage when those people were leaving. Uh-huh. Um, but I would say there was still a good amount. He ran into the crowd, which he did not come to my side, which I was pissed about. Uh-huh. But, like, he was, like, in in the audience. Wow. Which was so cool. I was happy for, I guess, the people that got to see him. No, girl. Well... Speaking of music, um, it's been a minute, so there's been a lot of things that have been dropping. Um, and we have to first start off just kind of uh, piggy, well, going back to last episode when we were talking about Homecoming was on its way out. Um, Beyonce's, uh, the, the documentary was coming out. Had no idea that she was going to drop an entire live album to go along with it. And I, I know, did y'all know? I didn't. I didn't think that's didn't, what it was going to yeah. be. Yeah, I didn't think so either. Like I was expecting something to come right after, but I wasn't expecting it to be like the live version of the joint. And on top of that, she also um, released Lemonade on Spotify, which to and me Apple is Music and Apple Music. If y'all were real fans, you would have already had it on. Time. Right. Okay. But I mean, I didn't. Anyway, um, <laughs> I mean, I do have title, but the point is, Apple and Spotify were now allowed to be blessed by her you know, music, whatever. But anyway, <clears throat> I really enjoyed Homecoming. Um, it was cool to just be able to listen to the album as opposed to like have, having to sit and watch the whole joint, even though a lot of us had already downloaded um, a lot of the performances and stuff like that just from other um, like platforms and stuff like that. But um, we have to talk about real quick um, before I let go. So mm-hmm. I've heard mixed reviews. I have my own opinion about it. Um, but I've heard mixed reviews. Like I've heard people be upset about like somebody I just saw yesterday comment on Facebook and this person always has something negative to say about everything. But, um, she was basically just like, y'all can keep the, before I let go, like Beyonce ruined it. Um, it was a terrible rendition, uh, Frankie Beverly and made like, they did a better job. Da, 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 da. Well, they approved of it. They so. clearly, it's and, not that. And serious. I went, so I've been to a wedding since, um, since yes. homecoming dropped and everybody all the aunties all it the goes off people, period well and they were asking for that version yes. before they were like oh they need to make sure they play that Vi- that beyonce version of before i let go it's the bounce beat honey that causes you to you know what i'm saying it's that extra like new orleans bounce that gives it that extra and then you throw not only before i let go which is the cookout anthem but you also throw candy in there too like stop playing me but anyway i i don't know i think that it was uh, a great way to end the album i think it made sense because the entire project from the visuals to the actual album was all supposed to be representative of black culture and not only just black culture but more specifically within you know the hbcu community and stuff like that and those times together you're not going to go to a cookout um something on uh was the joint like nothing you're not gonna go to nobody's plot and not hear like before i let go so why wouldn't like it was genius Mm -hmm. for them to come up with that idea the the only so this isn't bad because i love it the only thing where i'm now kind of like ah dang i went to when we were in baltimore right um 
and we it was a live band they played before I let go and so to me when I hear before I let go I'm like oh yeah you know this is a black anthem white people don't know this and so I'd be extra into it and then I forgot now because Beyonce did yeah. it. White people know it too. Yeah. So the white people were like, oh, yeah, girl, this is our jam. And yeah. I was like, ah, but yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. But um, shout out to Derek Dixie. He was the um, the music director for the entire project. And just for from the top to the bottom, to the arrangement, to the instrumentation, to everything. Like he, of course, Beyonce had a hand in all of it, but, you know, he had a huge hand in it. And uh, we've talked about it before, like with DJs and stuff like that. I think um, just musically, there are so many people that are geniuses and what it is they do. And it's not just writing lyrics or um, coming up with concepts and ideas, but it's the people that really understand the musicality of things and instrumentation and really being able to break it down and know where to put what for to become like a banger or a hit or you know what I mean to to create an entire project so shout out to him and to the whole Parkwood team and Beyonce of course um that was really amazing uh Father of Assad dropped on Friday it was I like it I like it I didn't I didn't like it as much as his last project um I think this one still has to grow on me because it literally just dropped. I so I need to listen to it. Yeah, I need to listen to it from top to bottom in several um, in several ways. So I, I need to listen to it at home. I need to listen to it in the car. I need to listen to it on my computer just in different ways so I can really get into it. Wish Wish was cool. Um, that's the one with Cardi and 21 Savage. Um, that's one I've been playing. Higher. Um, higher, of course, yes. with Nipsey. That video, like, I definitely actually cried a little bit. It thug. was beautiful. It's like a thug tear, though. Yeah, but can I be honest about that song? As much as I enjoy John Legend, I didn't, I didn't like him. I hated him on it. Ah, oh, I did not like him on it. I don't know who I would replace him with, but I didn't. I just mm-mm. maybe because I watched the video first. Yeah, that could have been it. I was fine with it. Maybe if I would have just listened to it. Yeah, I see, I listened way. to it and I just was like, John. Like, I don't. I don't think John is on the list of like real singer singers. Like, I don't. Yeah, like he can sing to me, but he's not a singer singer. Like, I don't know. I just. He's not one for me. Um, so I don't I don't again I don't know who I would have chosen to do that um uh that song with them or whatever, but yeah, nah. Um which other song on there did I enjoy? Um Just Us was is that yeah, Just Us with SZA. Yeah. Um and it had the sample, the Star Miss Jackson sample. And when she I sounded first different. that was good. She did. She sounded really different. She sounds very different now. When I first listened to it, when I tell y'all because Miss Jack, sorry, uh, Miss Jackson is one of my favorite Outkast songs um, amongst a bunch of other ones. But um, like my jaw dropped as soon as I heard the sample, and I was like, "All right, y'all have to come with it. Please come with it. Please come with it. Please come with it." And again, I had to listen to it again because I wasn't like completely like this joint goes, but I was pleased with it. So again, I, I had to listen to the whole thing again. Um, the joint with Meek Mill, J Balvin, um, I forget the name of it, but that one was all right. Um, and then, I don't know, that, there's a bunch of other ones, again, that I need to really listen to and get into. Um, but overall, it was pretty good. Um, I didn't realize this album dropped way earlier this year. Um, I think, like, right around Valentine's Day. But do y'all know um, this rapper? He's actually from the DMV area. His name is Phil Day. I've heard him. Yeah. So, Phil Day, he actually dropped the Phil and now goes by Day. And... Um, he has a project that dropped, like I said, in February. It's called um, Always Something. And every track, I think it may be like six or seven tracks, but every track has 
something in it. So, um, or the word, I should say something in it. So there is, um, something new, there's something sweet. Um, and something sweet is, is a song that's actually played on the radio a lot. Um, let's see something new, I think features, um, is it little baby? I think so. Little baby is on that one. I'm trying to pull it up now. Um, something new, no, something new has little baby on it. Something from nothing is one of my favorite ones on there. Rich the kid is on it. Um, there's something's up. Fat man scoop is on something sweet. And then something real has gold link Wale and uh, Phil Day. So it's, you know, very much a DMV kind of feel to it. But again, it's one, two, three, four, five, six tracks. Um, I've been listening to it for the past week and I'm really kind of upset that I didn't listen to it earlier. Um, but I enjoyed it. It was pretty cool. Um, of course, Megan Thee Stallion dropped Fever this week. What did y'all Ow. think? I thought it was Brandon good. should talk about it first. No, I mean, I, I thought, I've listened to it. I thought it was... <laughs> Go ahead. No, I thought it was good. Um, I did think, I like Tina Snow better than uh-huh. her previous mixtape. Um, but I mean, it's not like, it's, um, it's good. Like, I like, I definitely like the song with the baby. Um, uh-huh. I like the song with GCJ. I like the... What's the one that, Cash? How did, what's Cash, that? that's the, that's the one with the baby. Okay, yeah. And then um, there's there's a there's a few like it's a good it's a good CD. It's not as good as Tina Snow, and I think the only reason yeah. it's not as good as Tina Snow to me is that the choruses just weren't on a lot of songs. The choruses weren't hitting. Okay, like I expected them. Like Tina Snow had some great samples and some great choruses that you could sing along and like catch the um catch the beat and like all that good stuff. Uh-huh. So do you think? Okay, so this is kind of veering off just for a second but i feel like that happens a lot where we're used to hearing like mixtapes or eps from people and then when they put out like their um their you know their full projects and stuff like that it kind of becomes an underwhelming situation oh yeah that happened first is that i feel like her all of her mixtapes before she actually uh-huh. took control were are like my favorite things. I still go back to them. Yeah. A lot of people say the City same thing Girls. about like chance too. That's or one chance. person I think about. Heck yeah. But why like why do y'all think that? Well, I think you have thing? a lot more freedom with your samples. Yeah, that's stuff. what I was thinking too. It's is that there's there's definitely more of uh, creative control when it comes to, you know, kind of doing the mixtape thing. And then once labels get involved, or even if it is kind of an independent thing, you still have to be concerned concerned about what's going to work what's not going to work what's going to sell what's not going to sell you know what i'm saying like there are other factors that you know there's a lot of other factors and how much money like you don't want to have a song on an album right. album you don't want to have a song that's sampling another song right. because if that song is to hit then you have to give away like yep. huge Majority portions of yeah. of yeah of the song's revenue yeah that makes sense um speaking of like samples and stuff like that um another song i've actually just came upon was um this track called pups by ASAP Ferg and ASAP. Well, it's an ASAP Ferg song, but it features Rocky on it, and it samples "Get at Me, Dog," um, the DMX um, song or whatever. Get at me, dog. Yeah, exactly. Um, and it it was actually pretty good. Um, of course, you can't knock the original or deny the original song, um, but it's a typical Ferg and ASAP. I mean, Ferg and Rocky um, kind of collaboration, and I enjoyed it. I played it three or four times, kind of like in a row. And uh, by the fourth time, I wasn't annoyed with it. So it's pretty good. Um, Another guy I've been listening to is his name is Blake the Alien. I don't know how I ended up listening to him, but he's definitely more. If I were to put him in a box, he'd be in with like a Bryson Tiller, um, black kind of 
realm. Um, but he's, you know, more of the R&B kind of thing. He has um, an album or an EP, I guess, that he dropped. It's called um, This Is Barbecue Music. And that's literally what it is. Like, you could put it on at a kickback and it be cool. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's really around the time when, like, everybody's kind of chilling. A lot of people may have, you know, kind of already gone home. And we just sitting around kicking it and talking. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's cool background music. Um, it's that. And then he also has one he dropped immediately after that, which has a couple of extra songs that I guess didn't fit on the original EP called These Are The Sides. So it kind of goes along with that whole barbecue kind of feel, yeah. vibe, whatever. Um, but yeah, it was dope. Um, feel The Same is one of my favorites there. And then um, 90s Love, I think is the other one that I enjoy. Um, another group that dropped an out, well, this is their EP, dropped a couple weeks ago. Um, it's by this group called The Amores. They're actually from the DMV as well. Y'all know I love PJ Morton. They're the background singers for PJ Morton. And um, they their EP, I think, has like six songs on it. It's called Mon Amour. Um, And it's a pretty, it's a really, really good um, project from top to bottom. It's one of those things where you can listen to from the beginning to the end. And it's, it's a really, it's a really great project. I'm really proud of them. I actually got the opportunity to go to their, um, their EP release party which was a lot of fun. It was great to see, you know, kind of the DMV kind of come out and support them um, so much as, or as much as they did. Schoolboy Q, of course, dropped Crash. Did y'all listen to that? Yeah, yeah. I listened to pieces of it. Okay. I've listened to the whole thing, but I, I, thing. I'm a full, I'm a fan of Schoolboy Q. Yeah, so. regardless. Yeah. Um, of course, that little girl made water popping. Y'all saw that yeah. little girl? I got that water. Yeah. Um, let's see what else. And then did y'all see Lil Nas X? Yes. In the video. Y'all, that was so the video was so great. The video is the concept, like all of it was amazing. There were so many cameos in it. Um, and I to be honest, like I am not only proud of the song and proud of him, but to be able to see so many people get behind him and support and be a part of the video because people could have easily like hated on him and just like not been a part. But there are so many people that, I mean, it's not like it was this huge, you know, show, you know I mean? Showing of people there, but to know that people like really supported him and really well, I think there's got behind him was dope. I think there's a new generation of like, I think people are finally starting to accept that we're, we're we've left one era and we're like finally like yeah. fully into a new era. Um, quick like plug are you, wait are you done real quick um yeah okay like quick plug in real quick the baby i didn't know this but the baby um he became his like first claim to fame or whatever was a couple years back i don't know if y'all remember this but at south by southwest he performed in just in a, diaper. a diaper yeah yeah okay, okay i okay, didn't know okay, that okay. was him yeah <laughs> yeah yeah. And just a diaper, and people talk so much shit about yeah. him. And like, I mean, I, I, I probably talked a lot of shit about him. Like, what the fuck? Like these yeah. new rappers, and then to think that he's like really good. Like, he, uh, he's like really he's one of the good. best parts of Megan's album. It's uh-huh. like his verse. Like that's what everybody was talking about. Uh-huh. I think I don't know. It, it's something about him that's just um, like it's really really dope. And I think he's definitely going to be one of those people that when we think about you know music ten years later and like the things that were going on in twenty nineteen, like. It, it fits what it is and where we Absolutely. are at the time. And I really appreciate that because it doesn't, it's not gimmicky. Like what he's doing isn't a gimmick. Like he really has talent. He really has the ability and he, yeah, he's, he's dope. And I, I appreciate that. Um, 
But yeah. Shout out to Vince. I forgot. Vince Staples. Vince was in I love him so Me too. As a person. I could like be his friend. Yes. I really do. Yeah, he's dope. Um, did y'all listen to uh, Igor? No. I thought it was good. It's different than his other. I don't know if y'all like Tyler the Creator. I'm not the hugest fan. I love Tyler. I feel why. like people, everyone should give Tyler a fair shake because he actually is super talented. He's super talented, but he's also super problematic on like just. That's why I have never been able to get down with him. I'm like, he's just. It's just too much. Have y'all seen that video much. on Twitter of um somebody was like, this is all Tyler does to create like his songs or whatever. Oh uh, yeah, it was good. It was he really thought it was funny. funny. It was, he thought it was so funny. But this doesn't even sound like that though. He's okay. talented, but I will say Tyler is talented. But he, I, I put him in that same box. I put like Azalea Banks and like. You have some problematic faves. I have some problematic faves too. And that's I'm that's what I'm saying. Like I, I think that Tyler Crater is such a great like I I think he's talented. Yeah, because there would be no I just Frank think Ocean that if there was a, no Tyler the creator. Frank yeah. Ocean is pretty like Frank Ocean is starting to get on my nerves too. <laughs> China Orange was great and like what happened um Or the, the internet. Stuff. There would be no the internet if it wasn't for Tyler the Creator. And I mean, again, I'm not knocking anything Tyler the Creator has done. I'm just saying that I personally just can't get with him, him like that. Artist. Yeah, I don't see it for That's him like fair. that. As an artist. Because because the people that he brings on has nothing to do with him as an artist. Exactly. Or like whether or not you like him. And it's like... Right, it's, but what I'm saying is for him to actually enjoy Tyler, the creator, just because Tyler, the creator brought on these individual people doesn't mean he necessarily has to like him exactly. as a performer. I didn't, I didn't say it, like him as a performer. My thing was give Tyler a fair shake. Oh he's, no! I think I think most people I think most well. people respect Tyler the Creator as an artist. Like most people agree that Tyler the Creator is talented. Like it's I've never heard anybody say he's not good. It's just like they give him the same thing they give us Aya Banks. Like it's just like he's good, but like yeah. I mean every like I don't have time for all the like some of his gimmicks and stuff I can't get with. So I just don't want to really listen to the artist. And well, the people that listen my- that does like Tyler the Creator, <laughs> if you, I'm saying. <laughs> That album is different than his other albums if you want to try it. That's yeah, my point. Look, that's fine. That's fine. I'm just saying. I'm... And then uh, I've dropped in the group chat Lucky Day and Levin Kelly if people want to. Lucky Day is great. Yeah. And Levin Kelly, Levin Kelly is too. too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so, th- so basically back to like the embarrassing thing. We were talking earlier about things that's embarrassing. Um, there was something that you saw about Foxy. Yeah, so it looks it looks like um so this happened last night, so y'all were like just reading what facts we know of right now. But Candy's dungeon tour, which you, if you guys don't know, is like a thing she has going around right now, kind of play. Tour, so I almost took my it, it looks no, it looks the like hell? A, hold on. A, a quick a hold super on, quick the... aside. <laughs> super Oh my gosh. <laughs> I gotta go. Oh my god. Oh my gosh. So I took my mom to LA for uh Mother's Day and when I was there I was just trying to look up things that we could do. That was like happening, and I was like, "Huh, Candy's Dungeon Tour. I wonder what's that about." And I was like scrolling to read more information. I almost got tickets, but then I got I like read the actual details, and I was like, "Okay, that would have been slightly awkward." But I mean, from the pictures and videos, you I've seen. Dress up in, yeah, think. but I mean, it's not even like people are really <gasps> dressed up. Like it's like girls are wearing just like, but like you ha- you do have some people who are coming out in like actual like. Doing the most. Yeah, doing the most. But for the most part, it's like girls wearing the same exact thing they would just with lace <laughs> leggings and then maybe like a um, a mask, like a um like a masquerade type masquerade thing. type thing. And like, you know, they might wear, you're, you're more inclined to wear like leather or something lace, but it's not anything. I haven't seen too many people looking like 
like super scandalous. Like I've seen because they were in DC not too long ago too. Yeah. They came to DC okay. and they did Philly last week too. I, I believe, mm-hmm. uh, or earlier this week, one of the two. But um, I've seen videos. It's not that bad. But they're in point being they're in New York last night, and um, so they were performing. And for those of you who don't know, it's it's like again, it's like a concert with candy and basically friends and um. I think delicious is like one of the main staples. But anyway, they're delicious? bringing Delicious? Yeah, delicious. From, one you, the, from Flavor of Love. But you, if you remember, delicious can sing. Remember from the. Oh, yeah. She can sing. That's right. That's right. She that's can right. sing. Um, so anyway, she. Give it up. <laughs> she looks like a man. She's being. Okay, um, okay, okay, okay. But okay, okay. so Candy's bringing out guests in every city um, that kind of reflect the city. And so for New York, she got Foxy Brown to come out. So Foxy Brown comes out, and I, I, for those who don't know, Foxy Brown is um, if partially. If you don't know who Foxy Brown is. Well, I'm not saying if they don't know who Foxy Brown is. I'm saying if you don't remember, Foxy Brown is hearing impaired. Uh-huh. She's a rapper, but she's also hearing impaired from a gun a gun being fired too close to her face a few years, like a, probably like 10 or 15 years ago at this point. Anyway, she comes out, and she starts, she's performing, but she's performing the wrong song like it becomes very obvious to people and like the dj's trying to figure out what's going on and then like then they start booing her then literally somebody comes out and pulls foxy brown like physically pulls her off the stage and then the dj starts playing yeah somebody from her team but still like that's embarrassing and then her off the stage ushering her off the stage and then um they play um Lil Kim the jump off. Soon as she gets off the stage, the DJ plays oh, the jump God. off. Well, the oh, DJ Prince. also the DJ also says prior to playing that something along the lines of "We don't allow this stuff to happen on our stage," and then proceeds to play Lil Kim, which is even more shady. That's wild. So yeah, <laughs> but y'all know New York DJs are disrespectful, so I, that shouldn't really surprise me too much because New York DJs are notoriously just assholes. Um, trash. Yeah, very <laughs> trash. Um, so yeah, that's super. I felt super bad for Foxy. It is. That is so embarrassing. It almost is. I don't know if it's as. Uh, what do you feel is more embarrassing, that situation or the situation of fucking Tiffany Haddish deciding she's gonna walk on the red carpet? Oh, we didn't even talk about the mat. Fried we didn't chicken. Talk about the mat. I forgot about it. Yeah. Um. Okay. Well. Okay. So the Tiffany Haddish thing. Okay. So Tiffany Haddish. I, I'm so torn with Tiffany Haddish because. Well, how are you torn? Because what is there to because, be torn no, about? this is the thing. I watched Tiffany Haddish like when Tiffany Haddish was first, um, not when she was first coming out, but when like after Girls Trip, when she first like really became like an A lister. I remember I watched her Breakfast Club interview, and if you've never seen her Breakfast Club interview, Tiffany Haddish has a amazing story. Yeah. Like it is, it is yeah, something. I yeah, it's out of this world. Like how she got where she's at right now. And, um, and like, at first I thought people were being, like, pretty hard on her because they're like, oh, she always plays, like, a ghetto black girl on TV. And I'm like, well, there's plenty. I mean, Taraji always plays a ghetto black girl. Like, you know, there's some, uh, um, Jennifer Lewis is always playing somebody's auntie. Like, sometimes you're typecast and you're good at your typecast. Like, there's nothing wrong with that. The check still clears no matter what. So, like, I get that. But then sometimes. That's different if you're in a movie. But sometimes, okay, yeah. So, that's where people were saying that before. Now, more recently, she's just kind of just started. I don't know if this... And I'm like, maybe this is really her. Like, maybe... Because there are people who act like this. But it's like, why are you acting like this? So, if y'all don't know, Tiffany Haddish showed up to the Met Gala, which was like two weeks ago, probably at this point. And she dressed... She came... The the theme was camp, which is like over the top. Over, over the top so much that it's fashion, basically. Um, 
And Caitlyn can probably like elaborate on that. Was I right on that? What'd you say? Over the top so much that it's fashion. That's basically yeah, camp. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So um, she came as a she came dressed up as a pimp, which I thought was so dope at first. Like I was like, because pimp culture is very yep. camp, very over yeah, the top. It is. All that stuff. She was in Michael Kors, honey. Michael Kors, very nice. And then they go to interview her and she, she pulls to out. Be a coon. She said, they were like, you know, somebody <laughs> asked her. Well, did y'all see how it actually, how it yes. fully went out? Because somebody yes. asked her what happens inside the Met. Yeah. And she said, well, last year, last year it wasn't enough food. So I brought my own food. So she, she had this, she had this clutch thing in her hand. <laughs> she goes to unzip the clutch and she has a Ziploc bag. Full of, and I swear to you not, a six-piece fried chicken and box begins, from Popeye. And begins to pass the chicken out to the television. Um, I mean, to the interviewers. To the white interviewers. <laughs> the white interviewers. I just... And then, as one of the white interviewers is eating a piece of fried chicken, look, y'all, it's a white woman eating fried chicken. <laughs> what? It's very, it's very, like... Uh, Tiffany. Nigger. This is why. <laughs> very nigger. 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 Like, it was very, like, when I saw it, I was like, this is very ER. This is very. It's giving ER. Very much ER. It's very much I was like, I just don't understand why you would go on TV and, and do that. And it's not, it's. I'm like, I look, I've seen both sides of it. I used to have a coworker, so quick side. So I used to have a coworker when I worked in DC who was so afraid of being the Tiffany Haddish in the room that if we had like a a work lunch or something, they ordered fried chicken or like we had um we went out to eat and it was like chicken. She would not eat chicken in front of white people. Oh, that's right. And she wouldn't eat she wouldn't eat soul food at all. She wouldn't eat macaroni and cheese. I thought no, I thought that was dumb as hell. Like yeah. I was like <laughs> It's a fine line. I'll be like if it's on like, <laughs> I'll be, I'll be, I'll be balanced. I'll be careful too. I, the way I look at it, the way I look at it, they're going to think like stereotypes. They're going to think this about me anyway, whether I'm eating this or not, they're going to think about like when you see, like they're just there and it's a food that's attached to our culture. Like it's not like the whole fried chicken and black people think isn't bad when like, it's just like, like Asian cultures and rice. It's literally like a part, like it's a found. Right. But I'm saying like, if there's, if there's fried if there's fried chicken right I'm not gonna be like oh I'm not gonna eat the fried chicken but where I say I try to balance if there's a line I'm not gonna be like oh I'm going straight for the fried chicken even yeah, if I exactly. may feel like that exactly. even if I may feel oh, like yeah. that I mean, that's, keep the comments that's to fine. yourself that's, right. yeah you can keep I mean I don't think there's nothing wrong with like trying not to be like a character oh character. y'all got some watermelon oh fuck I fucked with <laughs> but I mean I, you, I, but I think it's dumb with people right. so where I, the Kool-Aid y'all niggas got red you got what? grape drink you got red I want red. Yeah, you I want fruit punch. I want red. You don't have to. You don't have to nig it up like extra. Like you can be like. I mean, it's known. It's look. The people at my job, they know I like chicken. They know I eat chicken like basically every day. Are they probably saying his black ass probably likes chicken? <laughs> of course he, he likes chicken. And I'm like, that's fine because my Asian coworkers show up with their rice and noodles and broth every goddamn day. My Indian coworkers have their curry shit. Every, like I'm like, it's it's known. Black people like chicken. That's like one of the things we like. That's a part of our culture. That's fine, but like, why are you giving chicken to white people soggy as soggy? Because you know that chicken was soggy if it was. You it, saw it, all the condensation in the bag anyway. That's soggy chicken. Period. I'm like, why are you bringing these people? These people ain't about to eat your fried chicken on the car. Like what? And I get. I'm like, maybe this was like. And I'm like, I get her brand is just cheap and tacky. That's. <laughs> <laughs> I mean that because she's the Groupon lady, y'all. I mean that because she's the Groupon lady. Groupon. <laughs> she's 
She is though. She does have a deal with She has a deal. She really does. Brandon said her brand is No, not even not that her brand is cheap and tacky. Her brand is to be cheap and tacky. But that is her brand. But her brand is that she's real and that like she doesn't mind being tacky and that she doesn't mind being cheap and that even with all her money. That's her brand. She has a whole Tiffany Haddish is making a lot of money She's on the Groupon. Groupon lady. Oh exactly. And she making Groupon wrote a big check for that. Like Tiffany uh, Haddish's house is is probably bigger than all of our houses. Put made together. on top. That's fine. <laughs> but oh I just think God. that like I, just, I didn't think that she needed to do and I think that goes back to like black like Ugh. I mean, just like we were all saying, like I think there's a fine line. Not a fine line you can walk, like you can enjoy your you know, there's some things that are just gonna be culturally a part of you, and I don't think you should have to hide that. But then you don't have to also just shut like that's like if a if somebody who was Chinese or Korean or something showed up and like pulled out like like started like fried rice fried like you know doing stuff like that's like or like what's her name Miss Mimi like I know a lot of people get mad at Miss Mimi from Love and Hip Hop for doing stuff like that I just think it's real I don't know coonish niggerish whatever you want to call it, <sighs> it I'm, I'm tired of, I'm tired of Tiffany I really am like I'm tired I just I like the the the, the, the gimmicks and the, the it's just. It's too much. Like, I feel like there's so much more to her. I was watching this video the other day, um, kind of reviewing the Met Gala and then also talking about Tiffany. And the, the woman was just basically saying, like, she wonders if this is, like, authentically her or if she feels like she has gotten to a point where, like, she has to keep up this act just to And that's what I'm confused that's about. What I think that's what I'm confused about. Yeah, she was just like, I just I really just want Tiffany to blink twice but, if she's okay. Like you know, but this saying? goes back or to she the, needs help. But this goes back to the culture and then us like cause we talked about this with Cardi B a while back, but it goes back to that thing of like, okay, you this person became famous because of them acting like X. At what point, like, you know, is was this the the, per, the way the person really acted, or was it not? And like, is it fair of us as consumers if this is really how they were acting for us to expect them to change right. at their big ages? Right. Because because now we th- deem it like you know it was like oh this was fun. Like I think about Tyler Perry with that a lot. Like how we when Tyler Perry was just doing stuff for us, we loved it, right. and then it wasn't until like white people got onto Tyler Perry right. that people like thought was like okay you're doing too much like you're letting too much of the family secrets out basically right. and i get it because i felt that kind of way about tyler perry too but then i was like from tyler perry's point of view he's like this is what made me rich right. like why would i change right. if it ain't broken feel, how do you feel about steve harvey i feel this well no see steve harvey did switch at his big age that's why people don't like see because steve harvey wasn't always like that steve harvey in the last like 10 years which is small compared to steve harvey's full career uh-huh went decided you know decided he wanted big he wanted big white man money and he went and just became but also a lot of stuff steve steve harvey says a lot of coonish stuff that i believe that he believes because you know if you know black people from the south they do sound like steve harvey and he's he i mean he just there's an auntie population that was standing steve harvey he really is talking to his people now i don't like it but I just don't like Steve Harvey. Like, I just don't like new age Steve Harvey. Like, I liked it when he was just the hood nigga from Chicago. And maybe that's me, like, being wrong. Like, he's allowed to grow, you know, change however he wants. But, like, a lot of stuff. I mean, but I stopped fucking with Steve Harvey with the, when the whole, um, what's her face? Um, Paula Dean shit happened. Hmm. Remember he brought Paula Dean on the show mm-hmm. right after? Do you remember that? No, I forgot about that. So Paula Dean, you remember Paula Dean said, found out she she was running basically a slavery restaurant. Yeah, I remember that. And was saying, it called people nigger. Mm-hmm. So when, when you remember like there was a huge fallout from that for her. So 
Um, this is when Steve Harvey's show had first came on. And um, he decided to bring her onto yep. his show and p- forget. He was the forgiveness of the black community. He was put he himself. Now? He put himself, and he and when then did he, he said, elected official of the and, nigga and then he said, so Steve Harvey runs a um Steve Harvey runs like a a youth boys yep. camp or something, yep, yep, some yep, kind yep, of yep, summer yep. camp thing. And basically, he part of like the whole forgiveness was like he was like Paula Dean is going to be coming to the camp this summer, and she's going to be teaching. Our boys. No. I'm sorry. Are you no. kidding me? I no. swear to God, that's what he did. No. And I remember I was so confused because I was like, okay, so even if you did want to forgive her, like, there are, t- if this whole thing is about black men, because his whole camp thing was supposed to be about black mentorship for young boys. I'm like, there are so many black chefs that these boys actually need to be learning right. from so that they know how right. to like Absolutely. thrive right. in, in the in and, the cooking community. And they can see themselves. And so they can see that themselves. And instead, you brought the, the woman who lit. Paula Dean had oh, them dressed oh, up as slaves. Like it was a pre, it was a pre Civil War restaurant. Yeah, I remember that part. That part I remember. Like, and it's a hot mess. It so really I mean, is. and so from that point, I was just like, okay, Steve is obviously drinking the Kool Aid, or he likes them. And he said it before, like when the whole Monique thing happened, he was basically saying, "I I like this money that these white people give me, and I'm gonna and no, I don't believe half the shit I say, but I'm gonna say it because that's so dumb. and that's but that's a southern thing too, though. Like you hear Oops, that a sorry, lot. Yeah. Oh no, you're fine. But you hear that a lot. If you have family down south, if you ever go down south and talk to older black men or older black women, there's this idea that, like, we're here to please the white man just so we can get our money and go. Like, it's just like, no, we don't believe any of this shit. No, we know they're all racist, but we're here to get our money. We're here to go. And it's but more. You know, that is a, like, okay, I don't mean to. Oh, no, you're good. Jump, but it's not just a black people that do that. So, like, how do you. How do y'all identify? Y'all identify as people of color, as African American, or as black? I'm black, black, black. I consider myself black, but why? I mean, I just i I think one the term African American one is just too long. I don't like the way it sounds. It's just honestly too long. Like we're like, and we're the only people who call ourselves that. Like nobody else in America calls themselves like Asian Americans. Don't call themselves Asian Americans. They're just Asian. um Hispanic Americans. Yeah, they're just Hispanic. Um, also African, like African American, if you take it at its literal terms, then it includes people who aren't part of like the, the diaspora, like the original diaspora or like this, the, the slavery diaspora. So you have a lot of people who are literally African Uh and American. I agree. Yep. Um, and that just feel like, I don't know. It's so awkward. Do white people at your jobs always say like African-American instead of black? They like, um, they'll, they'll want to say black and then they'll like hesitate. And then sometimes they'll be like, African-American. Yes. That's what they do. they be like, they be like, yeah, the other African-American guy. And I'm yeah. like, the black guy? Like, I'm like, y'all can say black. I call y'all white. So yeah. I don't understand. <laughs> I just don't add the S. Just when y'all say blacks, that's yeah. when it becomes racist. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, so y'all know I work at a school and um, a large majority to be quite honest, my school is um, an immersion school. So, you know, there's other languages that are being taught to the school or whatever. But there's a large population of black kids that go to my school. But for the white parents, um, they often use African-American. But it's kind of one of the things like you were saying, like, it's like, ah, I really want to say black, but I'm going to say African-American as to not potentially offend you. Yeah. And it's just mm-hmm. like, I mean, and I'll they just... won't say anything. And I'll, I'll repeat that back. Too. Yeah, I've seen that too. They'll try to describe the person without yeah. using their um, skin color. Brown skin, uh, uh, sh- 
black. They're like, black. you can say it. Yes. It's okay. It's okay. And I don't know. And I get it because depending on your age, there was a time when, like, um, like people didn't want to, yeah. yeah, people didn't want to be called black. And, or like, there was a time when, like, color was considered, like, the, the appropriate term or Negro was considered the appropriate term. Yeah, I like term. that my family's birth certificates. My grandmother's birth certificate said Negro on it. My mom's birth certificate says Afro-American. Oh, wow. And then yours says black? Black. Um, black. Yeah, and that's what mine no, says. No, mine's is African-American. Hers wow. was Afro-American. Mine is African-American. Okay, I think mine is... Well, I mean, it, they normally say African-American slash black now, but is it's it just Is it weird like, that I like Afro-American more than African-American? Is that weird? I mean... <laughs> I like Afro-American only because... <laughs> Only because, like, I, I don't. All right, let me. Let me I mean, I think, but no, I really do because I just think of like black culture. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. I just think of like it. It sounds really like silly, but like to me, I think of Afro. I think of black. I think of you know what I'm saying. And Afro American to me represents more of that than saying African American because there's so many other things that are attached to. I wouldn't call myself Afro American, but if someone were to choose, I would prefer you to do. Yeah, that. Afro is more. I feel like I I can see that Afro. You know I feel saying? like it is yeah. more encompassing of people who didn't make it to america and went to different places i would say for for me i black for me resonates because i feel like it's more encompassing and representative of who i am i don't like being considered a people of color and that's just to you know tie it back to the whole like not everyone has your best interest because i noticed that a lot of my other minority groups like they'll be a person of color when it's convenient right but then when it's time to truly align with issues that directly impact black people, it's very few and far between that you'll find other minority groups that'll step up and stand behind black people. Yeah. Whereas we're always willing to kind of like cast a wide net to uh-huh. help everyone else. And so I'm like, when I talk about black issues, I want to be specific to black issues. When it comes to African-American, I agree that when I think of African-American, I think of people that are first, second generation um, African that came to America. And what, I mean, you encompass a lot of people, West Indy people. Um. Right. That's what, yeah. So people that migrated here and that are not descendants of slaves. Yeah. Well, and that's, I mean, that's how I take it. And the reason why I take it that way is because some of the issues that people that are descendant of slaves from America face are a bit different. There, there are definitely commonalities. And I feel like our, strength and our similarities um are greater than our differences but i think that it would be foolish of us to not recognize the things that are different as well that's the only way you have real systemic change and some of the things that are cyclical and that are generational for us are a little bit uh different in our approach to having to address it i agree with that i do agree with that only reason i said um too which is because um of course like west indian people were slaves but you know that yeah but, but i said slaves yeah in america, in america yeah in america no i was just clean uh, yeah i was just making sure yeah. that they i know what you meant but i just didn't want it to come across but anyway yeah i agree yeah. i agree i think it's like i think there's a big difference in um how you even perceive race relations in this country and i was talking like earlier right before like i have a coworker who is indian and they're they're darker skinned indian people they're not they're obviously not black like they're obviously still indian um but like her family has a hard time understanding race and understanding racial implications even when even as it affects to them like not even just talking about how they perceive black people in america or hispanic people in america they her parents have a hard time understanding how race affects them and will because they just didn't have this con- construct in their country. So I think addressing 
looking at things like that and like i mean somebody who immigrated here from india and somebody who immigrated here from africa they have more in common i feel like than somebody who is born you know a black person who's born here or hispanic person who's born here like you know there's there's big differences because we understand how this thing is like we understand all the barriers to it and we can see them from a lot further and that works to both our detriment and to our benefit and um yeah i think it just needs different it needs to be addressed in different ways i agree yeah i agree there's like this group that was created um and it's like ados i think it's called and it's like african descendants of slaves group and Someone, a friend of mine that is not American, um, but they're black, and they were basically questioning and kind of like poking holes in the theories of like, does there need to be a separate group? And should there be, um, you know, like separate types of reparations and stuff for people that are different descendants of slaves? And they kind of like question some of the some of the conversations around it. I don't um understand 100% of what that group represents so i won't say i 100% back the organization but i do believe that some of the things for people that are descendants of slaves should be specific to us no different than when you had like pearl harbor for example right yeah there were things specific for japanese americans yeah no i agree i think that um i think that's when we we've talked about reparations like several times on here before and i think mm-hmm. that's where you know because there is even you know there is a lot of there is a lot of overlap, but that's why a lot of the a lot of the talk when people say stuff like that, I'm I just kind of like I don't want to say ignore it, but I'm just like a lot of the reparations talk anyway isn't done on a um like or the way we envision reparations isn't on an individual scale anyway. It's on a community scale, which yeah. means that everybody, whether you're you know even you could just not be black but just be immer- immersed in one of these communities and and reap the benefits of you know a reparations package. But I mean, right. I think there is a because um, I mean, even AOC is, sounded like she was very iffy on the whole reparations thing, which I was really disappointed about. And so is Cory Booker. Cory Booker has kind of like danced around reparations, which I'm just like, why is everyone not trying to acknowledge that some of the things that we face as descendants of slave black people the, is just different? The issue, the issue is, is that and the weeds. Um, another podcast I listened to actually did a good breakdown of this. But is that people want people want the rep people? I don't think Cory Booker is against reparations. I don't even think AOC is against reparations. I think they're against. I think they're they're so afraid of like the toxicity that they believe may come from reparations. Because and the reason I say this is because of this. When when they when they no they actually said they're against reparations well, first our group specifically no, they but, said that no but I'm I'm I hear what you're saying but I'm saying this is why I think that they're that they're saying that for more of a political standpoint and more and not because they maneuver because when whenever they announce um like big um social program changes or like um their ideas for like big social programs or big um reforms or whatever the case may be. They almost all try to go from a point of like, this is going to affect, at the core, this is going to affect black women the greatest. And then like, you know, they try to emphasize the fact that, and, and they try to emphasize the fact that like any social program or whatever else would, would benefit, not any social program, but that the social program that they're, that they're promoting is going to benefit black women or or black children the most and like oh this and they try to sell you that as reparation when it's not i agree that it's not but i think that they're 
I think that people in this country are still afraid that like, I mean, this country is still anti-black at its core. So the, the, the idea that you'll be able to give, um, that you, that you'll be able to give black people what they're owed and that it won't cost you politically, which I think it's fine. That's going to cost you politically, but I think that's a hard thing to sell somebody who their job relies on it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it goes back. Um, I can't. I'm. I'm gonna probably forget. But there is this like organization that Jennifer. I uh, don't care for. Uh, what's her name? Jennifer Lewis. Or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Jennifer. Yeah. Lewis. yeah, I don't really care for her that much. But you don't care for Jennifer Lewis, the actress. Yeah, auntie, grandma. No, the white girl. Oh, Jennifer. Oh, her name is Lawrence. Jennifer Lawrence. Lawrence. I was about to say Jennifer Lewis. My bad. Nah, sorry. (laughs) Jennifer Lawrence. I don't really care for her. But she's an advocate for this organization that is good that talks about how to have like systemic, actual systemic changes unbreaking America. And it talks about like the different ways to make it where politicians won't have to necessarily rely on lobbyists, right? In order for them to, in order for them to um, get into office. So, like right now, only 33% of initiatives that um, or 30% of initiatives that normal Americans want actually become law. And that's because 70% of the time that a politician is in office, they're doing things to raise money to make sure that they can stay in office. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so Unbreaking America can look into that. And but, about, I also think like going back to all this is also like your, our, our, and this probably is why you don't like Jennifer Lawrence, because I can see this coming from her, too. But, like, talking the game and being about the game is two yep. different things. Yeah. So and if you're and you can promote these organizations, it's I think like all, half of the lit in D.C. Uh, yeah. Well, and I think half and the Weeds did a good job of pointing this out. I know I, I, I don't mean to keep like giving them a shout out, but like this. Yeah, is, we want royalties for all this. No, no. no but I'm so just saying, weird. like, just speaking of like how to I just didn't want to people to say I stole anybody's ideas but just talking about people actually being allies like you can say like oh yeah I want this I want that um I'm supporting this organization I'm giving money to them and that all those things are great but also you have to be like physically a part of the work and that goes and that's not just like going out and protesting to give up a piece of your privilege exactly that's what I was about to say you have to be willing to give up part of your privilege that means sending your kids to schools with black kids like where the majority of the kids are black or Spanish that or means, if you that also is us too. If you have privilege where you have economic mobility, that means keeping your kids in schools that may not and holding people accountable. We've had mm-hmm. that conversation. We have had that conversation before, but that and and this we're not gonna go all the way down this rabbit hole because then you know we start tipping on gentrification at that point and I black mean, gentrification. But we'll do that at another day. So we're we like, yeah. Still a part of privilege. It's still a part of privilege, but I'm just saying it's like you know, the world is complicated. We're all we're all in this teeter this teeter balance and it's like but it's not like a seesaw it's like a like a disc and we're trying to like you know how do you balance like you know keeping your kids in the schools and uplifting the schools but without causing like a you know without you as you rise in income like you're you're throwing off your neighborhood's economic balance you, and not i mean we can go well i mean i'm just saying like black gentrification is in south gentrification is a thing but that's more from people that's coming out as transplant what i'm talking about is if you come from a community staying in your community that's two different things yeah but if you're going to find a if you're going to if right now the job centers like we have job centers and like the job centers have moved in the country and but D.C. has jobs. No, right? I'm saying D.C. has jobs, but you have a lot of people from the suburbs, like myself, 
who, if I moved into like Southeast, I would be technically a black. I said, if you stay in your neighborhood, right? Yeah, but if I stay in my neighborhood, I'm staying in, you know what I'm saying? Like the job center is in DC. So if I, I as a black person, wanted to like, and I'm trying to uplift the community, even if I'm trying to uplift Southeast, if I move into Southeast, I'm still technically a black person. That's not your community. Yeah, it's not my community. But like, if I stay in my community, there's no jobs. So, like, I mean, like, like everybody in Stafford commutes up to DC. Right. So you saying everybody nobody should move? I didn't say that either, but I think there is a way for you to I'm saying if you are I'm gonna if I'm gonna live in Southeast, right? And then I'm gonna take my kid, I'm gonna put them in a school in Prince George's County. Good point. Okay, school. yeah, I get what you're saying then. Yeah. Like that's my point. And but, it's it's hard. It's hard it's hard work and that's why like I don't knock anybody for doing it because I see why people put their kids in op- like schools that aren't in their district because I know, but I'm going back to the statement of, like, if oh, you're in a place of privilege, you got to walk the talk, even if that means giving up a piece I, of something. I agree totally with everything you're saying. No, I, I agree that it's something that, like, I, I'm not, I was just saying that we're, as a whole, everybody up here, we're not knocking anybody who does that. We understand why people do it. It's just that, like, you know, it's something as a community we have to really address. And like, if we want to make changes and we don't want other people coming into communities and changing our communities, we have to be the ones who are willing to stay there. Or willing to invest or willing to be active, like you said, yeah. be, being that advocate for your child in the school and, and making it so that other kids around your kid also are benefiting from what you did for your kid. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so do y'all have any hangover? Yeah. Because um, we're going to uh, get brunch. Oh, yeah, we do need that. Uh, um, Kate, you want to go first? Yeah. So real quick, I was kind of quiet while y'all were talking about that just because I just actually read... Um, uh, an article was well, well, yeah, kind of sorta. Um, I was on Instagram. Did y'all hear about the um the commencement speaker at Morehouse? Uh, uh-uh, who was he, it? Um, his name is Robert Frederick Smith, and he's one of the wealthiest African American people listed on Forbes. Uh, oh, he is the wealthiest. He actually surpassed Oprah. Um, oh, and wow. he for the class of 2019, he paid off everybody's student loans. Oh, are yes, you slower at Morehouse? Yes, yes, less. Yes. Oh my god. So shout out to uh, Robert Frederick Smith. Son, I would have had a heart. I attack literally would have cried. I would have cried. I'm sure they did. Cried real tears. I'd have been stumping across that stage. Okay. Like, that is a whole woo. Listen, as a mother of a black son, not now, but you know what I'm saying. Like if I were a mother of a black son, I'd have been in that joint shouting, screaming. Like it would have been. That is crazy. so fucking dope. So what, Do you know what his money? Do you know what his money is like tied Hold up on? Um. Yeah, I will have to talk about this offline, but y'all go look into it. Robert Frederick Smith, he, like I said, just paid off um, all of um, the um, student the student loans, loans at of, Morehouse. Yeah, at Morehouse, yes. Of the class of 2009. So congratulations once uh, again oh, to just everybody who graduated um, class of 2009, whether it be high school, college, middle 2009. school. 2019. I mean, what I say? 2009? 19. You said 2009, but 2009. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I meant 19, dang. Um, but anyway. I know it's been 10 years, All right. Congratulations Dang. to all of y'all, whatever. Yeah, y'all knew what I meant. Anyway, my hangover um, kind of, I guess, kind of ties into this. Um, but uh, there have been a lot of instances. So there are a lot of things that, like, I have learned and I know how to do now. Um, just in terms of whether it's, like, um, like graphically related or, like, tech related, whatever the case may be. Even down to, like, makeup and styling and wardrobe and just, like, all the stuff that I do. Um, but there are certain instances where I 
honestly don't want people to ask me questions about. Like, I feel like because a lot of the things that I've learned, I've had to learn on my own. I've had to Google it. I've had to do my own research. I've had to test it out. I've had to try it. I've had to practice. And that's just what I've had to do. And people have come to me about things that I literally have learned on my own, have had to Google on my own, have had to figure out on my own and ask me how to do it. And it could be really petty of me, but I hate it. And I would much rather like, have you attempted to Google it before you ask me for help? Have you attempted to try it on your own before asking me? Because most times the things that they ask me are simple things that you can Google and figure out. Like stop asking me questions the same way I had to figure it out. Guess what you can do? Figure it out. And trust me, it makes you feel that much more accomplished because you figured it out on your own. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know. I just get so annoyed and granted, like that's a part of my job. Like I do like consultations for people. So of course people are going to come to me and ask me questions, but like, don't ask me. Um, I don't know. Like, I can't think of any particular thing, but like people will ask me questions. Well, how do you do that? I don't know how to do that. How do you do it? I Googled it. That's how I did it. I Googled it. I tried to find it myself. And once you figure it out for yourself, like, I don't know, it's just annoying. And I know that I should probably be willing to be more helpful to people. (laughs) And it's not that deep, but there are certain things where it's like, it's, it's really not, it's really not that hard to just look at it before asking me, because I don't have a problem helping but I would much rather know, like, like, bro, I can't figure this out. Like, can you help me figure it out? What have you done on your own to try to and figure, try it, to out? figure it out? You know what I mean? Like, because again, with me, like, I've help had me to so learn. I can help you, right? Like, I've had to learn and figure things out on my own. So at least put forth. What have you done to try and figure it out on your own before you come and ask Talk to me? Yeah, like I don't know. It's again probably petty, but y'all Google like Google. Google is there for a reason. Like the internet has been built, developed and grown over time for you to be able to figure stuff out on your own. Like it's, it's not that difficult. <laughs> Just Google before you ask me. That's it. Um, I, I'm done. You're done. Okay. Yeah. Um, mine real quick is, um, it's like, I, for all you who don't know, this has been the longest month in Baltimore history. It feels like, um, we have had our mayor resign in a, um, she is embroiled in a controversy. She, like, A mayor corrupt. that's worse than D.C.'s mayor. Yeah, well, uh, but, but, um. <laughs> the shade of it all. She's, um, but she's, she's in a corruption scandal that has, like, blown up pretty bad. Like, the IRS is investigating her. Um, there's a lot of. And this is, for those of you who don't know, this is our second mayor to have to resign in disgrace in our last three mayors. So, <laughs> so um, we're having a very water, long, right? yes, something very much in the water. And um, I, you guys really don't know this, but our city was also attacked by ransomware. And all city services are offline, have been offline for like a week and a half, two oh weeks Oh my now. gosh. So if you want to pay your water bill, you have to go, you have to mail in a check for going in person. That is terrible. Paying, park, paying tickets. You can't check um, street cleaning. You can't. You can't submit a ticket order, like a four one one order. The internet of Baltimore City is shut down. And I mean, I just wanted to say that I I love Baltimore. I've been there for like five years now. It's, it's such a great place. It has allowed me to like, um, I think definitely like stable myself financially and be able to finish grad school. And I really want the best for it. But it's just like I see, like I constantly see these headlines like. Baltimore population declining or like you always hear the jokes about Baltimore and I'm just like 
God, like, we just cannot, like, we can't catch a break. Like, it's just, like, bad thing after bad thing after bad thing. Like, we have a horrible murdering. The mayor, I mean, there's a lot of good stuff happening in the city at all times, and I don't want to ever, like, discredit those people's stuff. But, I mean, I just, that's what I'm just going to be thinking about all week. I really don't have a solution or anything I want to, like, say. I'm just, like, it's just, you know, it's a it's a hard month, a hard season to be in Baltimore and, like, to just be watching the news. It's something every day. Oh, we also had the um, the newscaster who had to get fired for saying that racist thing. Did you, did y'all hear about that? Uh-uh. Um, when the mayor had to resign, one of our newscaster who was on WJZB, which is one of like the big channels there, they were talking about. She was discussing basically how um, like how we've had two mayors who've had to resign, and she basically said something along the lines of like, "Do you think it's time for us to stop um, um, electing?" black women okay okay <laughs> she was fired she was fired um like <laughs> shortly after it aired and um and she claimed that she misspoke whatever anyway okay look at all the white men that has ruined the country and that's what people were saying but i mean it's just like it's just like the city how is do you, just, okay go ahead i don't understand how you misspeak like how, she said she, she didn't she, she exactly, did. that's what i'm saying you that's intentional shut up that's like the woman in uh that called pg county nigger county yeah yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. no you no, didn't you, you said no, exactly a mis, what a misspeak meant. is like misspelling like mispronouncing a word that to me is a you know what i mean a, a misspeak mis, yeah it's like i mispronounced a word or i didn't accurately give a statistic or like you know that's a miss no that was intentional it was clear it was obvious you knew what you said and it's just it's sad because like you have like it's just like it's just thing after thing happening um but i mean baltimore's a resilient city that's like their like little slogan and you know they keep going so i mean yeah they keep on keeping on it's a great time look rent is cheap in baltimore right now with all this going on so if anybody's trying to get out of the dc overpriced housing market come join us (laughs) <laughs> and then drive an hour to work. Bless you. Well, I we got jobs remote, about so. that. We got jobs. That's what we do have. Bless I work remote, so I might have to learn. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like, no, I serve kids in DC, so I need to stay in DC. Um, my thing is about men, and I love men. Let me start with that. I love men. I love y'all a lot. You know, like can't unfortunately live without you. But I need to drag men for a minute for. So I'm going to ease into the the, 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 the easier into the, the worst part, right? So the the first thing I was at, um, I'm going I'm to start with Uber. So I'm noticing a pattern of when I get in Uber and I have male drivers that will look and stare in the rear view mirror at me while they're driving. I need you to watch the road and not be so thirsty. <laughs> So we don't crash. Okay. Maybe he's watching the car behind him. Nah, he's looking at me. Because then they, I had my most recent Uber driver turn around and say, oh my God, is this you in the picture? Clearly it's me in the picture. You look so beautiful in your picture. How do you think I feel getting in a stranger's car and you telling me I'm beautiful and you're being a creep and watching me in the mirror? I don't feel safe. Like, so don't stop being a creep. That's, that's the first part. Second part, I went to the gym last night with my stepfather and so while he was still working out i like went into the massage area and sat in one of the massage chairs and i'm watching the golden state warriors play portland and so i actually like the golden state warriors and i was watching the game and so then one a man came in there and sat next to me and was like oh do you need the remote to watch housewives of detroit oh or something? my gosh there is no housewives of detroit 
And you know, I don't even watch Housewives. I don't watch TV. Like, <laughs> I was just like, are you dumb? I'm like, I'm actually watching the, the game for real. Like, could you be more sexist? True. Very true. So that's the, the second part. Like, stop making assumptions about what women do and don't do. And then the last part is about all, all the things that are happening around abortion. So before I get into men, like, I think a lot of people have sidestepped the white women and how they play a role in this. Let's yep. not, let us not forget that majority of white women voted for Trump. Yep. Let us not forget that the bill that was written in Alabama was written by a white woman. And the person that's going to sign off of, on it, the governor of Alabama, is a white woman. White people. So, woman white women, you don't get a pass. Let's stop leaving them out of this narrative because they care more about being closer to white supremacy than they do about being an actual woman. I agree. I agree. And I think, yeah, go off. But yeah. then the actual men that have been voting on, that but voted on the bill in Alabama, that are voting on bills across states because now it's starting to be a ripple effect are men like stop trying to regulate women's bodies and shout out to the women. And I had talked about this on the part of my bullshit podcast. Listen to that too. Um, but like, stop, you know, stop trying to regulate women's bodies. There was like a, a black woman uh, that came up and there were other black um, people that came for in Alabama that tried to add an amendment where men would have to get a vasectomy. Of course they didn't, you know, let that fly. But I shout out to them for doing that. But just like, like you could have, you should have seen the pins and needles they were on when that was brought up. Like, oh, if men get a vasectomy, then it's considered a crime. Like they, they were like, no. So no to that. But you want to be down women's throats about abortion, right? I, I like, good. No, I was just gonna say as somebody who, of course, like would never need have an abortion or anything like that, like. I think so much of this is, like, when I hear people talk about it on TV, even if these people had, like, medical degrees, I'm like, the way they're talking, I'm like, have you even ever, like, been around a woman? Have you ever, like, talked to a woman about, right. like, how, like, pregnancy works or how, like, hormones work or how plan B, like, why why they're using all these things? Like, so much, you know, there's all these, there's a lot of bills right now trying to, like, criminalize, like, um or, like, trying to make it harder for birth control or for plan B or something like that. And it's like... You don't even understand why people take this stuff besides, like, yes, it's called birth control, but, like, you right. know. There's just, so many other Like, things. so many people. Yeah, there's so and many even, things. Even if it wasn't, it's still none of your business. It's still, it's no, no, I'm saying it's still none of your business. I'm just saying, like, they don't even understand. When you hear, when I hear people talk about abortion, just it's just like, I'm like, they obviously don't even understand yeah, what. People are not skipping happy, you know, to go line up. I'm going to go get, get my 10th abortion today. You know, like, it's not, right. it's not like that. And. Yeah, Plan B. Plan B used to not even be over the counter. Uh -huh. Like, it was a big thing for it to come over the counter. And they were trying to take that away. I'm like, and I think men need to speak up more about it because men are benefiting from it, too. Yep. Men. Yep. Was that you that posted about that on Twitter? Maybe. Um, but, yeah, I basically heard the same thing. And it's just like, y'all get the opportunity to, like, miss out on the whole, you know what I mean? Y'all are dodging bullets. You know what I'm saying? Like, it just, I don't know. It just, it's one of those situations where I just it's really that. about It's really about criminalizing, like, women's sexuality. Which and it's is, not, it's not fair. It's not fair. It's not fair. And it makes no sense because, um, conversely, like, we as women don't say anything about the trash shit like the, the you know what i mean we don't get to regulate anything that you guys do exactly, at all so it's not fair for you to attempt to regulate the things that have to do with us and 
as, as it pertains to our health, to our comfort, to any of those things. Because, you know, for certain people, there are issues and things that have happened to us that are extremely traumatic that, you know, could be the reason for us, you know, opting to not or whatever the case may be. That, But at the end of the day, it's none of anyone's business, but, it's our, really own, not. but our own. Yeah. And, it's a medical procedure. Just like anything else right. that you get done, it's Period. your business. It's between you and your doctor. And that's it. And like, yeah, that's where the conversation should stop at. Yeah, I don't even understand why it's become a conversation. It shouldn't be. I saw something that I thought was amazing on Twitter where a woman wanted to get an abortion. And this guy was like, no, you can't keep the baby. And so she was like, okay. And she was like, but understand, if I have this baby, like, this is your baby. Right. And that's it. Yep. And so she went and she had the baby. He agreed. They went to court after she had it. She was like, she, know, she didn't want to see the baby. Like, she 100% had it because the guy, like, really uh-huh. wanted her to have it. And she pays 125% of what she is required to. 125% of the amount she was required to of child support. So, even paying extra. Yeah. She gave 100% custody to the man. And the man was complaining because he was like, oh, like, she won't be a mother to the father. She told you. Yeah. And you're like, you're yours. burnt out. He's a single father, whatever. Now, normally the food, sh- the uh, you know, the she was on the other foot, right. yep, right, where the woman wasn't really sure, and then the guy's like, and then the guy like pieces out, mm-hmm. and a lot of times, then the guy, I won't say a lot of times, I won't generalize, but sometimes you have instances where the guy won't even pay child support; she's paying more than she has to right. to make sure the kid is actually okay. And now the guy is stressed out, and like, let that be a lesson, mm-hmm. like let the like let stop trying to regulate women's body, especially when it comes to things like birth control, because all you're gonna do is create more harm we already have issues when it comes to mortality rates right and it's so much bigger exactly like women are still going to have abortions either way it's whether or not we make it safe or not right exactly and that's the scary part about it i don't understand why um the level of support lacks so much and it's just it's just sad that um these ideas about the the connotation of abortion has become so antiquated and has never really been a situation where like okay you have to understand that it's not this negative thing that has been considered that you know i mean that that was the way that people thought back in the day it's like it's we are ages, steps ahead of where we were before. And there are reasons. There are, um, it, it, it makes sense for people. And if that's what they want to do, if that's their choice, then let that be their choice. You know what I'm saying? Like, it shouldn't be a, a situation where, um, you know, we're still stuck in this antiquated state. And it's, it's again, not fair. Yeah. yeah. And just to be clear, it is still legal because federal law trumps state law right. when it comes to this. Right. So it is still legal, but I do think that it's going to get to the Supreme Court because it is a conflict right now. Yes. And that because we have a majority Republican seat in the Supreme Court, it may overturn Roe versus Wade. Yeah, there's a possibility. Hopefully we... I hope not. I yes. hope not. I don't think... I I mean, luckily there is some... Um, some of the conservative justices have shown that they... Not because they support abortion, but more on the fact of like they don't want to destroy the court because uh roe versus wade overturned would destroy the court right as far as like it's yeah of its precedent of how they respect president how how the people of this nation respect the court it would destroy the supreme court like it would just be and that is why we have to get trump up out of here so that if there's Please any register more to vote. justice seats that comes available, we need someone that is a Democrat to balance out the court. It is absolute bullshit 
that how our justice system works is that, you know, they get to stay on there indefinitely until they die, which is complete nonsense to me. So if any more seats become available, it will become even more Republican than it already is. I agree. I agree. So let's go ahead and roll over because we have 10 minutes to when we're supposed to be there. So, um, <laughs> yeah, we'll go ahead and go um, we, we're getting the brunch of the week. Um, well, today we're going to Local 16, but I can't give y'all a review on there because we're obviously not there yet. But I was just going to we'll say expectations. Yeah, we'll come back to that next week. But um, expectations, um, which is in, I think there's two. I think there's one in Silver Spring and one in Columbia. It's a um, it's a all day like breakfast, um, breakfast, like brunch place. It's so good. Um, they don't do bottomless mimosas, but their mimosas are very good. If you do get a mimosa, their orange juice is fresh, sque- fresh squeezed. Mm, you misspoke. Um, I know I misspoke. <laughs> um, but the food and stuff is amazing. Um, I've had like um, breakfast burrito from there. I've had um, their pancakes, waffles. They have a ton of stuff. Everything is super fresh, super made, like right there. Steak and eggs is phenomenal. Um, so give them a check out. And I think that's it. Beautiful. Anybody else? Uh, nah, shout out to uh, to me. I wrote a book. It's coming out May 21st. Oh, yeah. Uh-uh-uh. Fashion keeps us interested. Style keeps us interesting. Check it out on Amazon. Thanks. Okay, that's it. All right. See y'all. Bye.